Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1, 9. Has God not commanded you, Clementine? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And it's our prayer that you will find help and hope in Jesus and a home in this church. And now we're going to do some commitments. Parents, you're already standing. Family in the audience, if you want to stand and join in the commitment with the parents, it would be awesome. Will you promise to love God and raise your child in this love? I will. <laughs> will you promise to grow your child's faith through teaching, reading his word, and praying? Will you promise to pray for your child? And will you promise to raise your child in a spiritual community with other believers? Awesome. All right, you guys can take a seat. Um, if you serve in any role in our Harbortown Kids Ministry or our Student Union Ministry, would you please stand? Um, will you promise to love these children by teaching the world word, building spiritual relationship, and partnering with these parents? If you do, say, I will. And now I ask that the whole congregation stand. So if everyone would stand, please. Will you promise to encourage, pray, and build into these and other families within Whitewater? And before we dismiss the families, David's going to come and pray over them. Amen. Are these not the cutest kids? I'm telling you. Look at their little heads. <laughs> Man, I love their name. So it is my honor with you. If we could just extend our hands to these little ones and their families. And I just want to pray a blessing over them. Father, it is a gift. Children are a gift from you. And Father, we do not take them lightly. We do not take it, uh, uh, Father, for granted. And in a world where lots of people are lost and hurting we have parents standing up visibly tonight to say we dedicate and we promise we commit to raise our children in the way of the Lord. And we as a church family now also lift them up and pray for them. I pray for protection for these little ones against the evils of this world. Jesus said, suffer, let the little children come unto me. We want them to come unto us for protection. I pray for these parents as they protect them and for these children as they grow up that they would be protected. God, I also pray, uh, Father, for preparation for these young families and for these young people. Uh, they are getting ready to enter a world that is often dark and hopeless. That's why help and hope is needed and our church mission is needed. And so back in Harbortown, God, they are preparing them for a life of service. I am praying tonight that one of these children very well may be the hope of the world for someone reflecting Jesus Christ wherever they go. God, I could be so bold as to say that it's possible that one of these children on our platform may be a preacher, a missionary, an elder, a, a, a staff member in this or another church. They may choose to serve you in another arena. There may be a future president here. There may be a CEO. There may be lots of world game changers on this stage. 
So sometimes, Father, as parents, uh, we forget that it may not be a ministry we lead that changes the world, but a child we raise. So we reaffirm the preparation process. May they raise these children with potential in mind. And God, last and certainly not least, we, we just pray for provision to occur. Protection, Father, preparation, and provision. That we would be able to provide, that our members would be able to provide uh, wonderful volunteers and child care. Uh, children workers back there, God, to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I pray for money, which can be so tight when you're a young family. I pray that you would provide every single thing they need. And at the end of the day, God, these children would, like Jesus, grow in favor with God and with man, and that, God, they would grow in wisdom and in stature. And uh, we just applaud them. We cheer them on. And I pray the evil one would be far and the holy one would be near and that they would recreate even themselves and their little lives in your image. And we ask this now in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people here said, amen. 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 Let's give these couples a hand. Y'all can head on back. Awesome. 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 And Tristan's going to come back, lead us in a couple of songs. You may be seated. Or else, I don't know. You want them probably standing, don't you? All right, keep standing. It's going to be a standing night. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head oh I will sing of the goodness of God
you probably guessed it by now. If you're here, you're watching online. Our theme tonight and this weekend is being a child of God. And that's why I love these family dedications. We get to see part of our congregation, our littlest ones. And it is a joy to serve back here. They could always use some loving help back there. It's not like pediatric purgatory back there now. I mean, it's a good thing back there. And so, man, our, our Harbortown folks would love to have you back there. But I love it because when we talk about children, we talk about the desire, the goal of our church, of God the Father, to protect and to preserve and to prepare our children for life. And so coincidentally, that's where we find ourselves in this new series we launched last week uh, called Recreate Yourself. It's a series on spiritual movement, spiritual growth, getting better. And tonight is, today is the age of childhood. So let me start with an easy question. It's like, I, I'm, I'll pretend I'm talking to children because I am too, right? They tell you in your communicator, talk to like third grade and everybody will get it. That's what I'm figuring. So I'm going to give you a fifth grade question. Okay, you ready? Here you go. You're smarter arms. Here's the question today. How many of y'all were born? Can, can I just see your hand? Okay. Uh, you know, I'm a little worried about the audience here. Uh, if you did not raise your hand, uh, we got a little remedial class for you afterward. See, the question is not if you're born. Everybody here in this room, everybody watching online has been born. The question tonight, have you been born again? Last week, I covered the lost and the infants and baby Christians and what they look like and what they act like and what they talk like and what are the steps to get out of that phase. And today, I want to move to the next level, the next age and stage, uh, and talk about the attributes of a child and the moves that you need to make toward becoming an adult. And eventually, here in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about being a parent. We're encouraging everyone in our church to get online and take this wonderful spiritual growth survey. It's provided uh, in this series. I think the address is on the screen here, whitewatercrossing.org slash recreate. I, I greatly encourage you. I, I'll use an Old Testament or Bible word. I beseech you. I beseech you to get on there. We will only be as good in this series as the information on that uh, spiritual survey. I have good news. We have about 225 people as of this moment who have started the survey and 158 also have completed it. So we, we're off to a great start. And I encourage you to get on there. It'll take you 20, 30 minutes. It will help you. It will help us. How, how many of y'all took it? Can I just say any, any Thursday night crowd? Okay, yeah, we got some winners here. All right. If you haven't done it, persevere. You can do it. I know you can do it. Now, there is one question Actually, there's more than one, but there's one question on this survey that's got me a little worried, especially when my wife or my family fill it out. I don't know if you got to it yet. I think we got a picture of the one I'm most worried about right here. Overall, how satisfied are you with your senior pastor? So be nice, okay? Be nice. And now's your chance to really let me know, uh, to let us know how we're doing. That's why I want to keep you busy because I learned a long time ago, <laughs> if people don't have a project, the preacher becomes one, okay? And I don't want to be your project, but we do want you to be authentic. I always want to be like the best leader I can be. And our church wants to be the best that we can be in helping you intentionally grow. So I am intentionally pushing you. I'm pushing some buttons. I'm pushing the envelope in this series to spur you on to spiritual growth. Here, I have a simple goal. It's not proper English, but I'm gonna give it to you anyway. 
My goal is to encourage the saints and engage the ain'ts. That's me. Oh, that's tweetable. That's really good. That's better than what you responded. Encourage the saints, engage the ain'ts. It's, but here's why. It's such an odd dynamic. I meet people all the time, and I've never met anybody say I didn't want to grow spiritually, at least in the church. You know, how you doing? Yeah, I want to grow spiritually. But I naively believe that when someone told me they wanted to grow, I assumed they meant it. And so I would give them stuff to do, exercises, disciplines, steps, and they wouldn't do it. So it, it, I've just been wondering, I just, it's been occurring to me. I mean, why would anybody want to join the army and then just stay a private? I mean, there's more. You have more in you here. You have more in you in your walk with God. In fact, if you say, I've got all I want, I've arrived, you are in big trouble and you're, we want to avoid you. I avoid people who, who like, I, I, I'm like, here's Jesus, here's me, okay? Everybody, the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. So I'm encouraging you to take charge of your own spiritual growth and maturity. Part of being getting out of childhood is taking responsibility for your life. Quit depending on me to spoon feed you. You can spoon yourself, and then you can feed other people. I've noticed as a pastor, I've been doing pastoring a long time now, long time. And here I have come to this conclusion. It's not just true about spiritual life with God. It's true about every area of life. People have upside hopes, but they got downside habits. Come on now. People got upside hopes. You know it. You got dreams, upside dreams, but people have downside habits. So you must come up with an intentional spiritual growth plan. Accidental growth and progress just doesn't happen. And I just want to tell you, here's why people don't grow. Because change is hard. Change is hard for people who want to change. But for people who don't want to change, it's hard. You, talk, you think all of these parents up here are going to just like snap their fingers and those kids are going to obey every single thing that they want them to do all of their life? Oh, wouldn't that be good? Some of you are grandparents whose kids were up here with kids. Did they act that way all the time? No. Growing children is hard work in the church or out of the church. Growth equals change and change equals pain. Now let me go back and I want to just use this because I don't have a ton of time to die. I want to use it as an example of this baby and child category, a man by the name of Nicodemus. You've heard his story because John 3.16's most favorite verse. Yes, but what's your favorite verse? 23rd Psalm or John 3.16? You may know the verse. But I'm not sure you know the context and the person that the verse was said to. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, which was like the Jewish uh, ruling council. Nicodemus was older in age, but he was very much a baby, an infant, a child in the things of God. Let me read you just a few verses. John 3, verse 1, there, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus when? At night, the Bible says. Now, keep that in mind. I'm going to come back to that later. He came to Jesus at night. This is the, if you've got kids, you know what I'm saying now. This is the original Nick at night. This is right here. I'm just telling you right now. See, some of y'all parents and grandparents, you get that. I wondered if that would go over. Okay, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus said this, listen to the word. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Not just born, 
but born again. But how can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Uh, no. And Jesus goes on to tell them, hey, this should not be a surprise. Uh, you got to be born of water and the Spirit. I think that means you have to go under the water. To, you got to go all in. And then the Holy Spirit comes up in your life. And then Jesus gives, as an illustration, one of the most obscure Bible verses, which I'm going to come back to in just a second, to demonstrate why Jesus came and why you need to be born again and how to get born again. He says in verse 14, listen to, as I read it, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Now that's John 3, 14 and 15. Back to that snake in just a minute. And that's the setup for John 3, 16. The most favorite verse in all Bible. Some of you got it memorized. You don't know any other memorization verse, but you've got this down. You, you can kind of say it with me. Let's read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God, greatest entity in the world, so loved, the greatest love in all the world. The world, the greatest place that he could ever go and build. That he gave his one and only son, the greatest gift, the greatest promise that when you believe in him, you'll have eternal life. For, it says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the essence of the gospel. For God so loved the world. So maybe you're here for the first time tonight. Can I just pause right here and say, for God so loved you. You could just put your name in there. For God so loved David Vaughn. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that if you believe in him, you will not perish but have eternal life. It's a wonderful gospel, simple gospel message. But I want to go back to that very obscure verse that precedes John 3.16. For there's something in here that tells us what we need to do when we become a child of God. Nicodemus was uh, older and he knew the Bible. See, it doesn't matter how much you know, it's how much uh, God knows you. It's not how many years you've been in the church, it's how many years God has been in you. And there are people who have been Christians for years, but they're just babies in Jesus. So Nicodemus, he had the knowledge, but something was missing. He didn't have a relationship with Jesus. So back to this obscure story. Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the stake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man but must be lifted up. What in the world is that? <laughs> what about that snake? Now, I just got to tell you right now. Just let me ask you. Anybody here like snakes? Anybody here like snakes? Now, I mean, we got a few. I hate snakes. In fact, I hate big worms. I don't even like anything that looks like a snake. And in the book of Numbers... There's this obscure, really odd story. It only takes up about five verses. It's this peculiar little episode in the grand narrative of God's deliverance of his people. The Israelites were making their way through the blazing desert. And you know what they started doing? They started grumbling. They started complaining about God and complaining about Moses. If they were filling out an evaluation on Moses, all Fs on their spiritual growth survey. And it says, because they were grumbling, God sent fiery, venomous snakes 
that bit the people and they died. I'm going to tell you something right now. They wouldn't even have to bite me if I'd die anyway. If I saw snakes running around biting people, they wouldn't have to bite me. Just take me Jesus now. And why did he send them? Because they were bitter. They were grumbling. They weren't happy. They forgot who God was. Be very careful when you start to grumble. In fact, I just kind of look down when I start to grumble. Maybe God's going to do that again. My favorite joke about that, by the way, is this guy who decided he wanted to be a, a monk and live, you know, in solitude up on the monastery. And so he went to the head monk and said, I don't want to be a monk here. That guy said, that's great. But he said, you know, we've taken a vow of silence up here in the monastery, and you can only say two words every seven years. Can you do that? He said, oh, yeah. So he said, okay, you work seven years. Guy worked seven years, never allowed to speak, never said a word. Okay, head monk said, you work seven years. You got two words. He said, food, cold. He said, that's it. That's your only two words. You got to work seven more years to talk more. He worked seven more years. He said, okay, he's got 14 years now. He said, you got two more words. He said, bed, hard. He said, okay, you keep going. You got seven more years to work. Finally worked seven more years. That's 21 years. He came in, he said, you got two words. He said, I quit. <laughs> and the head monk said, doesn't surprise me. All you've done is complain since you got here. <laughs> I, I know a lot of people, they come into church, all they've done complain since they got here. I know people come into family, all they've done complain since they got here. Be very careful that you gripe against God. Oh, you can gripe against a man, but be very careful that you don't gripe against God. Now, here's what I noticed after reading about this. Jesus takes this episode and amazingly puts himself in the picture as the snake up on the pole. Because this is a very interesting thing. Let me read it to you. Over in Numbers chapter 21, verse 8, it's not on the screen. These people were getting sick. They were dying of getting bit by snakes. And here's what God told Moses to do. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole. And anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So what an odd thing. You know, when you're a leader of God and God tells you to do something, he tells you the most odd thing sometimes. I mean, there's been times God would kind of prompt me and our leaders to do something. People say, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard, but it's exactly what we need to do. So Moses made a bronze snake and he put it up on a pole. And then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived, it says. And so what Jesus is saying here is, I am lifted up. What he's teaching Nicodemus if I be lifted up like the serpent in the wilderness, what's he going to be lifted up on? A cross, a pole, a stick. If I am lifted up, those who look to me will find everlasting life. And one author I was reading noted something about this story I never thought of. He said, if you are walking around in the wilderness and a snake bites your foot, the natural reaction is to look where? Down. Not up. It's counterintuitive to look up. We are all going to be tempted as we grow up in the Lord to fixate our sight, our mind, our thoughts on our problems, our issues, our challenges, our stresses, the way Satan's biting at us all the time. But if we will but lift, or the word literally means elevate our eyes and see God's protection and his provision, our healing will come. 
When it comes to spiritual growth, part of your daily routine needs to be to just stop complaining, to breathe, to lift your eyes and look at the thing that God is putting in front of you to save you, to trust him. I mean, if you got bit by a snake, you're going to look down. But he says, I want you to look up and I want you to trust me. So your assignment this week, no matter what category, age or stage of spiritual growth you are, I'm encouraging you to lift up your eyes today, especially if you are in the age or stage of childhood. I want to give you, I don't have a lot of time, just let me give you a little cross stick for lift, L-I-F-T, lift. If you're a child with your faith, maybe you're not dead anymore, you're not lost anymore, maybe you've grown beyond being just a baby, you're just, we're all in some ways children, child, children of God, we're all a child of God, but if you're in that infant, baby, child stage of faith, just like Nicodemus was, here's the four things I want you to try to implement in your life beginning this week. It's a cross stick of lift. Number one, L, let go of this world. Get your eyes off this world and get it on another world. In fact, this is what these parents up here are hoping, are planning to do with the children that they're raising. They're teaching them that they cannot serve two masters. They cannot serve the world and Jesus at the same time. So have you parents figured this out yet? Have we adults figured this out yet? That we have to be in the world, but we cannot be of the world. And you will make your life miserable. Let me just say it right now. If you want to serve Jesus and serve the devil, you will make, be the most miserable person on earth. Pick one or the other, you'll be a lot happier. If it's devil, then go full on devil. And we got some people who tried that. It didn't work out too good, but that's what they're doing. You, mu you can't hold both. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Let go of this world. If you want to move and grow up, you've got to say no to some things on earth to say yes. It's a better yes. Yes to the things of God. I of lift. Imitate Jesus. If you want to grow from being a child to being an adult, just do what Jesus did. All the great leaders in the New Testament, Paul said it best, follow me as I follow Christ. Don't be a disciple of David Vaughn. Don't be a disciple of anybody on earth. It's Jesus you're a disciple of. Imitate him. Whatever he did, you could do it. Now, maybe you should try some of the stuff I do, but don't try all the stuff I do. Don't imitate me. Follow me only as I follow Christ. Now, think about it. When you're raising kids, these parents up here know that. Children learn by imitating their parents, do they not? I mean, whatever you're doing, that's what they're going to do. It's not do as I say, it's do as I do. I mean, many things I do and enjoy today is simply because of my dad. My only two goals in my life would be like my, my, my earthly father, who I valued and loved, and my heavenly father. And my earthly father pointed me to the heavenly father. This is such a cool thing, and it's such a sad thing, because a lot of us didn't have earthly dads that were worth a hill of beans. We, some of us are walking around with a father wound in our life, so we got to count on the heavenly father, got to keep our eye on him because our earthly fathers mess us up. But some of us, were lucky enough to have dads that like are standing up here that are not perfect, but they're uh, men of faith and men of courage and men of God. And so I do things now 
that my dad did. And I'm not talking about just the noises that I make when I bend over. That's how you know you're getting older. Me sound, I sound just like my dad. That creaking noise and those aches and pains, I sound like my dad. But let me tell you, I'm just like my dad. I, I swore I didn't want to be like my dad in some ways. Many things I did. I hated coffee when my dad, growing up when my dad would drink. He'd drink it in the middle of July. So that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen, drink hot coffee. Now guess what I drink every day? Spring, summer, fall, winter, 100 degrees, coffee. My dad loved to golf. Guess what I love to do more than anything? Golf. My dad was a pastor, a preacher. Guess what I wanted to do? I wanted to be a preacher. For a while, I even wore English leather because it was my dad's favorite cologne. And now I just get a whiff of it. All the memories go back from that scent of English leather. I'm, I've, I've moved on to Old Spice now. But anyway, I'm a, <laughs> we imitate, we imitate the parental figures in our life. Imitate Jesus. F, feed on his word. The, the F of lift, feed on his word. Immerse yourself in the word of God. We talked about that last week. And then the last thing, T, You've got to, if you want to grow from being a child to an adult, let go of this world, imitate Jesus, feed on his word, feed on the Bible, trust your parents. Trust your spiritual parents. Now, some of us, again, we did not have trustworthy parents, but a lot of us have trustworthy spiritual parents around here. And you're just going to have to trust us when we tell you it's good for you to serve. Just like your parents told you it's good for you to brush your teeth, it's good for you to serve. It's good for you to give. It's good for you to be in the Bible and pray. David, I don't understand it. You don't have to understand it right now. You won't understand it till you grow up and you look back and say, that's exactly what I needed to do. See, kids love to ask questions, spiritual kids too. And kids growing up, their favorite question is why, isn't it? Why is the sky blue? Why does the dog bark? Why can't the Bengals win? I mean, they're asking all kinds of questions. And sometimes you can't give, you know, your mind can't take it. So you just got to trust me there's an answer. And you're going to have to trust me as a spiritual father in some ways for some of you that these things we're asking you to do to grow in Jesus will help you and you'll thank us later. Although initially it's painful, but you're going to have to trust us. John 3 has Nick at the beginning of his life. And did you notice that Nicodemus asked a question? of Jesus, just like I just said kids ask questions. He said, Jesus, how can someone be born a second time? They can't go back in their mother's womb. I mean, he's great at asking questions. He started out, remember, when did Nicodemus go and visit Jesus to ask this question? It was at night. But I want you to read as I close John 19, which is the last reference that we have in the New Testament to Nicodemus. After spending time with Jesus, let me show you what he looked like at the end of his life. He's no longer a quiet, shy child, cowering in fear of what others would think of him visiting Jesus at night. He now openly, boldly does something. It says, later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. And with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. Who was with Joseph of Arimathea? It says this right here in the next verse. Who helped get Jesus in the grave? He was accompanied by Nicodemus. There's our man. The man 
who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Notice, he couldn't get rid of that, that reputation, that nickname. Oh, that's the guy who went to visit Jesus at night. Oh, he's not now afraid at night. He's going boldly in the day to Pilate, the highest ruler, governor of their land. Nicodemus, not only is he bold in visiting now, Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about 75 pounds. I mean, this is not cheap stuff. He's giving now. He's, not, he's growing in his witness, and he's growing now in his giving. And by the way, it weighs 75 pounds. He, he, that, you gotta, have you ever carried 75 pounds? Some of these parents are going to be carrying 75 pounds here. Some of us, uh, our gals who are pregnant, feel like they're carrying 75 pounds. I mean, this guy's got to be in pretty good shape. But notice verse 40, taking Jesus' body. And wouldn't you like to have been there? Now think about it. What, what would you give, have given? What would you give now? to go and tenderly care for the body of Jesus Christ, getting him off the cross and getting him in the tomb. I mean, you would trade the world for that. But the two of them wrapped up Jesus' body with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. And at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. I've been there. I visited there. We're taking some other people next July to Holy Land. I can show you one of the two sites where they think this was. It's one of them's right there by the garden, right there where the cross was. And because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Man, what a difference in the life of a guy named Nicodemus. He went from being this clandestine, secret disciple, visiting Jesus at night, so no one would see. He went from being a kind of a guy who was just older in years, who knew the law, but didn't know the Lord. He went from a guy who was older in years, but very childlike in his faith, to now a full-on disciple of Jesus, taking him from the cross, putting him in the tomb, and proclaiming everywhere that Jesus is who he said that he was. Friend, some of you are just like Nicodemus in your life. You started here, but God has designed for you to do more. S some of you here know that you're made for more, so much more. So make a move somewhere in your life. Take the lift. Let go of this world. Imitate Jesus. Feed on his word. Trust your spiritual leaders. Make a move, and you will find, just like Nicodemus, that you will not live a life of regret but you will live a life of devotion and love, and your life will never be the same. God will change the whole trajectory of your life. Listen, some of you in this room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You used to be here, and you're not who you want to be, but thank God you're not who you used to be. Some of you are just starting your path. We're cheering you on. Some of you, though, have allowed that love of Jesus Christ to that love that used to be so alive, so full, so glowing, so glowing, you've allowed that to lose its intensity, its ardor. And you got to get back into being full on in love with Jesus. Get back on that lift. Lift your eyes and see Jesus for who he is. And your life will never be the same again. Take a move. That's what I'm saying. Make your move. Recreate yourself. As we close out our service, it's just like the perfect time to do this. We're going to share communion, and then we're going to head home. And what a great verse to do just that. In just a moment, our ushers will come. They'll give you a two cups stacked together, bread and juice. 
And I'm going to have you hold those, and after everyone is served, I'll come back. We'll partake together. And here's what I'm asking you to do today while you're holding that bread and juice. I'm asking you to lift your eyes back to the cross. Not the snake on the cross, but Jesus on that cross and pole. Let your mind go back to Calvary and refresh and renew and recommit your love for Jesus. See him dying. See him suffering. See him paying the price for your sin. And then claim the verse of John 3.16. For God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Just spend a minute before we leave here remembering, thanking God high and lifted up, crucified for us. Father, as we now hold these emblems and they're distributed in this room, help us to be like Nicodemus. And if any of us here are not born again of water and the Spirit, Father, this is the time to contemplate that as well. And so, God, I pray that we would see your Son high and lifted up, as the Lord and Savior of our life right now. In Christ's name we pray.
Father, we are grateful for the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. Thank you. By him being lifted up on the cross, we can be lifted up and now surrender all to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey man, we're really glad you're here. And if you have some questions you want to talk about going all in or anything like that for prayer, we'd love to have you down here. We'll have some folks pray for you if you're brand new. And if you are here and you want to celebrate, we have a reception right after this service in the great room for to kind of meet our parents and uh, those babies. And you can kind of touch, you know, kiss their heads. It's so cool. I mean, it's really great. Just breathe in the young, you know, but anyway, all of you are invited to just go and kind of get some refreshments 